Welcome to Convos from the Couch from Lifestance Health, where each episode you'll hear engaging informative conversations with leading mental health professionals that will help guide you on your journey to leading a healthier, more fulfilling life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Convos from the Couch by Lifestance Health. I'm Nikki Lanza, and on this episode, I'll be talking with Dr. Tiffany Truesdale, a psychologist from our Newton Watertown office in Massachusetts on the topic of mental health in the African-American and Black community. So welcome, Dr. Truesdale. Really great to have you. Thank you, Nikki. It's nice to be here. Yes, thank you. Why don't we begin? Tell us just a little bit about yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my name is Tiffany. Um, I'm originally from Rochester, New York, um, and I'm currently working at a life stance as a remote psychologist, like you said, in the Newton Watertown office. Um, I've worked in life stance since October, so in a couple of months, it'll be a year. Um, and so let's see. So for school, I went to St. John's University in Queens, um, and then from there, I went to Springfield College. Um, and studied in the clinical mental health program. Um, And then I stayed on um, to complete my doctorate in the counseling psychology program. Um, So that's a little bit about my educational background. Um, And so I have experience um, in the field working with children. I started doing in-home therapy, um, working with kids three years old on up um, and working with their families. Um, And then the rest of like my history, I have like college counseling center experience, inpatient, uh, outpatient um, as a crisis clinician, and right now as a remote outpatient um, psychologist. Oh my gosh, Dr. Truesdale, you sound like you have a very broad level of experience covering lots of different like mental health communities and stuff like that. So of, of like working and it sounds like, did you say you worked in schools or in the community? You work community yeah, so I have, and stuff like that. Yeah. So I have experience as well. Um, well for in-home therapy, I would go to in-home. like clients home. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and then a lot of times also being a crisis clinician, I'd also yeah. be out in the community going to clients' homes or going to local hospitals or community centers, um, as well as some of like the um, like uh, community mental health places that I worked in. So they're right smack dab in the community working with people, um, which I love. So that's yeah. one of yeah. my favorite parts. <laughs> I can definitely see your excitement and enthusiasm and, and passion for it, for sure. <laughs> So as we talk about mental health in the African-American and Black community, can we start by talking a little bit about some of the important cultural values within the community? Yeah, um, I think that's a really important part, too, because I think a lot of times those are like a lot of the positive aspects um, in the Black and African-American community. Um, And a big part is like family closeness. I think there's a huge history of just um, Black and African-Americans really leaning on their family for that support um, and also that community support, which is a really big thing and having that connection um, because not always feeling connected with others um, in the world or in other communities. Um, So I think there's like a really big like intergenerational family support that's really huge and that's a part of the cultural values um, on top of like religion, like traditionally um, in the community, religion, spirituality, the church, is huge um, support in the community. Um, 
And then I think now it's just like being able to express like blackness and what does that mean for each individual and how we express that. So whether that's through and a lot of times you'll see on TV and social media, whether that's hair, or outfits, music, TV or um and a lot of times in food and being able to connect in that way as well. So um, a lot of historical history behind a lot of those things. But I think a lot of times that's still really rooted in a lot of the cultural values that's held in the community today. Got you. So as we look at values and we were obviously bringing in the context of mental health, mm-hmm. is there a particular view of mental health within the community? Yeah, I think it's difficult when talking about mental health in the community, obviously a little more easy in the last couple, like maybe five, 10 years, um, but traditionally not really talked about. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with people and be like, oh, Black people suffer from mental health or um, depression or suicide and things like that, um, just because of a lot of the mistrust and historical mistrust and that continues today um, because of, you know, the systemic issues, um, racism, discrimination, all of those things that's embedded in our history and still in society, unfortunately, today, it makes it really hard to trust the medical field, Um, not just going to the doctors, but mental health as well. And even more so really hard talking about mental health. where a lot of times people will easily go to the doctor and be like, yeah, something's wrong with me. Um, A lot of times there's that stigma in the mental health field and the African and Black communities um, just because of that mistrust. Um, And also because just the lack of representation within like the field, Um, the difficulties of people not understanding or um, being um, either undiagnosed, misdiagnosed, or just mistreated in general. And so a lot of times it's really hard for a person of color to trust the field to actually receive that help. Um, And a lot of times it's hard too to even talk about it with family and friends because of the history of the mistrust. It's like, well, why are you doing that? Yeah. you know, or the history of using the church as kind of that support. I think a lot of times it's hard to have that balance of using religion and spirituality as that support, as well as seeking that mental health support. And I think there needs to be a lot of conversation as how you can do both, you know, um, just because you seek mental health services, that doesn't mean that you can't continue to practice your spiritual or religious traditions and beliefs. Um, So, yeah, I think a lot of times that's a really big issue when it comes to um, mental health in the community. Yeah, for sure. You know, you you definitely listed off all the barriers of what would keep people within the community from seeking treatment that that mistrust, because there has been obviously history of systemic racism. Mm -hmm. A little bit. We'll even talk about some racial just racial trauma, you know, Mm -hmm. of experiencing just the the prejudice, the the murders, you know, we mm-hmm. can go on and on about that. And so I can see how all that can play into barriers of seeking treatment and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel like it's it's getting any better or is, you know, what else can we do to, to make it better to help mm-hmm. people seek treatment? Yeah, I think the growing conversations are helping um, and there being more advertisement for, you know, Black and African-American people to seek out help. But the barriers are still there. 
our country is still, you know, we still have a systemic racism. There's still a lot of injustices that's happening. And so the mistrust hasn't gone anywhere. Um, the availability of services um, and the communication about it is a little better, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, and I think a lot of times the work that needs to be done, like there does need to be a reform of just our country in general when it comes to laws, when it comes to just how we treat people. Um, it's going to be really hard for um, people of color to trust again. And so I think there just needs to be a whole reform of the system and even the mental health field. A lot of times, a lot of even our evidence-based approaches, they come from white elderly men, you know, and so it's not it, you know, for African-Americans and um, Black people. And so those things also need to change so that services are actually individualized for that person and for this community. Right, right, right. No, I hear you for sure. And you hit it on the head of even looking at the various treatment perspectives that a mental health professional might use even in therapy, all that the evidence base, it's all based, the evidence is based on white folks, Mm -hmm. you know, it's based on white people, older, you know, so I agree with you 100% of being able to tailor it for sure. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I mentioned really briefly, you know, we were talking about systemic racism. I mentioned racial trauma. Can we talk, let's talk a little bit more about racial trauma. Mm -hmm. What do you feel are some of those ongoing effects of racial trauma in the community? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's always been there, you know, so from the start of slavery till now, you know, and so because of that history and it continuing in different ways throughout American history, um, of course, there's going to be that ongoing racial trauma and that mistrust. Um, because of the racism, discrimination, and the prejudice that's been going on. Um, And because of those experiences that Black and African American people experience, whether it's individually, whether it's systemically, all of that falls into that trauma that we're experiencing on a daily, whether small things that turn into big things, whether it's from the microaggressions to you know, a person of color being shot by the police. Like these things are experiences that unfortunately we have to think about every day when either in our homes, in the community. Um, And so it's really important for people to understand the trauma that comes with that and a person living through that um, and trying to navigate the world. Of course, it's gonna be hard trying to figure out, well, who can I trust? Where can I get this help from? And also knowing when your counterparts, like other friends and family are going through the same thing, like how can we come together and help each other heal from these things while they're still happening and receive the help that we need? Um, So it's difficult, you know, Um, and a lot of times it's difficult having those conversations with folks for them to be able to understand uh, just like the real impact that it has. Um, It's not as easy for people of color to seek services, um, especially because of the socioeconomic disparities as well. There's a big percentage of people of color who don't have health insurance and receiving services is not cheap. And the availability of services within the community is limited. And so it's like, well, where do you go? Even if a person is open for mental health services, where do you go? 
Um, and then a lot of times the first question after your name and those demographic or background information is like, well, what's your insurance information? Right. And if you don't have insurance, then a lot of times it's really expensive paying out of pocket. So already it's like already first taking a big leap of faith to be like, oh, right. okay, I want to try this, right. Right. you know, um, and even first identifying that, oh, this is what I'm dealing with that is already hard, then, okay, I need to seek services. But then the disparities start from the beginning, you know? Um, and then, so already it's kind of feeling like you're starting 10 steps back. Um, and so it's like, well, then if you don't have health insurance, then paying even on a fee for service or a low scale can be expensive yeah. for people. Yeah. Um, and so all of that, a lot of times people don't see how that's still linked to trauma because of the systemic racism mm -hmm. that's been carried on throughout American history. Wow. I, you really brought it to light of looking at even if a person like decided, yes, I want to seek treatment, even starting step back, 10 steps back and seeking the treatment and all the barriers that can kind of get in the way as well with, in, in case they don't have insurance and things like that. It really, I, it can, it almost gives me the impression of if, if that's the battle moving forward, even if you make the decision to, it's almost like, well, why bother at that point? It just feels yeah. so insurmountable, I would feel. Mm -hmm. And that's not even just it. Then it's also thinking about um, well, luckily now we have like Zoom, so it's a little easier True. to be able to do things remotely. Um, mm -hmm. But traditionally, you have to go to the office. So already with socioeconomic disparities, if you don't have a car, if you don't have transportation, yeah. if you don't yeah. have child care, if you don't have you know other family members who can help take care of your child while you need to go take care of yourself, mm -hmm. all of these things like people have to think about when it comes to like, okay, well, do I have the time and the resources to be able to get the help that I want? And if they're able to figure all of those things out, then it's like now being faced with the person who's supposed to help them. So a lot of times I've even had conversations with um, other Black and African-American people in the field. It's like that lack of representation in the field as mm -hmm. well, yeah, you know? Yeah. So it's like, okay, if I've had these experiences and these unfortunate experiences with, you know, um, of, with, from white people or even mm -hmm. people from other races who aren't treating me in a certain way or who are using those evidence-based practices that don't fit, right. you know, me as an individual, it doesn't feel helpful. Um, or just, you know, it's really important for providers to be aware of their own biases yeah. and their own practices. Yeah, and a lot of that also gets in the way of a person of color or a Black person feeling comfortable seeking treatment. Mm -hmm. I, and you bring up such a key point there of even the mental health professional, if they are a member of the white community of not even maybe recognizing how inadvertently they could be very biased. And, and just, I think working is as culturally competent as you can be, you mm -hmm. know, to be aware of our, we all have our implicit biases, you know, mm -hmm. and just being aware of those and stuff like that. So you bring up so many key points here. Any other takeaways you'd like to share? Hmm. Yeah, I think a really big thing is treating Black and African-American people as people, yeah. understanding that like 
people are coming for help and the help is needed. Um, but because of all the history, you know, I think a lot of times people have their own thoughts or ideas of how a black person is supposed to be instead of thinking about them as humans. Right. Right. You know, and so I think that's a really big thing. Um, and obviously, of course, the need for a huge reform overall in, you know, our political um, culture and things like that. But even just being aware of what we can do as individuals, especially in the field. Can we take that step back and be like, you know, what? how can I help a person, especially African-American and Black people, and put those prejudices aside, put those negative thoughts and biases aside and look at them as an individual and say, how can I help you? Actually having a direct conversation with the person instead of jumping into conclusions of what do you think is wrong or following those stereotypes or things like that, because that's not the case. It's also knowing that Every Black and African-American person isn't the same. They don't have the same experiences. Obviously, there's a lot that's the same, but it's also not jumping into those generalizations. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, for the field in general, just individually for practitioners to be able to understand those things. Um, and then I think it's just important to actually like just talk to Black people and African-American people and hear their stories to have more of an understanding. Um, I think there's more need for qualitative research to be able to hear their stories. Um, Again, therapists dealing with their own biases and assumptions um, and then actually providing services that's culturally competent that will be helpful um, is super important. Um, So I think those are like my main takeaways of just treating, you know, Black and African-Americans as humans and asking them what they need. I mean, such a basic premise there. The fact that you have to say that kind of breaks my heart. Just treat people as people, as Mm -hmm. as humans, right? That that should be a given. And I know that's Mm -hmm. not always the case. So yeah, I mean, thank you. Thank you for sharing everything of your knowledge and and kind of giving us more insights into the community and things that need to continue to get better with, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that's the key is that there's been some movement forward, but then there's always 10 steps back as well. Mm -hmm. So continuing to advocate and and push through that things continue to get better for sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks for having me. 